If you're ever looking to jazz up, and not necessarily, not specifically jazz, but add a little interest, a little, a little texture, a little flavor to your holiday playlist, I recommend both the Ventures who did it first, and then Low Straight Jackets, who these days are backing up Nick Lowe. They start out doing these classic instrumentals for about a bar, two bars, two and a half bars, and then launch into a holiday classic and kill it, just like the Ventures are doing right here. Oh, Memphis, Tennessee, but then. Here it comes. One more time. Back around. Back into Jingle Bell Rock. The Ventures perfected it, and then Low Straight Jackets are like, shit, that's cool. We're going to do that, too. It is episode 213 of The Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios, located in scenic and weird South Minneapolis. Now, I'm not like, you know, not like the people in Seattle or Portland or Austin always like, keep Portland weird. I don't mean weird like that. I mean weird in that the last 24 hours, it was like, what do they call them, bomb cyclones? It was very, very bizarre here. Yesterday, 58 degrees in South Minneapolis with a light, almost spring-like rain falling. It felt like late April. It did. It it was like, it was was kind of lovely, actually. I was out on the porch watching it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, I got to get to bed at a decent hour. Went to bed and was woken up. I sleep like a stone, by the way. I sleep like the dead. I was woken up by thunder. And I was like, and I knew that was coming. I knew there was a storm on the way. But mid-December thunder is not cool. Thanks, Obama. Unbelievable. It's absolutely his fault. Yeah. I mean, if you really do the math. Yeah, no, take a look at climate change. Who do we have to blame? Obama. Yeah. Barack Hussein Obama, right? Oh, thanks for bringing that one in. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just, let's not be afraid to <laughs> call it Hussein. Like, what, have Hussein. I, what have I gotten myself in? Wait, 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 wait. He just said, thanks for inviting me, and then he's just leaving. He's walking out the door. Right See, now. here's the thing. There's nothing you can't say on this show, Josh, unless it gets into real hate speech. I think Obama is probably the greatest president of my entire lifetime, which is what, but it's still fun. Well, now you sound like Bradley Whitford and Get Out. So it's like, (laughs) there we go, right? (laughs) Nice. I really love your people. Uh, No, I I just, I I believe that if you cannot, satire is the essence of our lives, right? That's right. Growing up, Monty Python was one of my all time favorites because it hit so close to home. But it was biting. It was searing. It did not flinch. And that's why people got so... God, I'm going to keep using terrible words today, Josh. I don't know what you're bringing up. I was, that's why people got so butthurt over Monty Python. They did. Because it, the satire was so searing. But the reason satire works is it forces us to not just glance in the mirror, but someone holds the back of your head and really makes you look in the mirror. So, again, thanks, Obama. Uh, <laughs> hey, I want to thank also Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN, the primary sponsor of our fine show here. They were on board before we ever did an episode. Here we are, 213 episodes episodes later, still singing their praises. What do they do? They help get you back into your vehicle if you effed up. If you got yourself a DUI and you can't drive, they will get you back into your car. They worked with the state legislature. They were the originators of Minnesota's ignition interlock system. They can get you back into your vehicle sooner and for less money than you might ever expect. And I misspoke most recently on our podcast. That's all right. I fixed it. Well, I appreciate you fixing it. (laughs) What I said was 20% off... Of the entire deal, it's 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock situation. Correct. If you go over to their website right now, Smart Start MN, they're great guys. They're cool. They're music fans. They've been on board since day one. If you get yourself into a bit of a sticky wicket, I would give them a ring or check them out online. So I'm not a huge fan of flying. I've gotten better. I'm not as nervous a flyer, but uh, Mike Friedberg, one of the owners of Smart Start MN, Flew in last night during that storm and the wind. There's zero chance I'd be like, no, no, let's. I've always loved Sioux Falls. Let's go there and land, <laughs> land there so I can go visit the uh, Corn Palace. So I've always, oh, <laughs> that's a little west. Yeah, of there. no, that's yeah, exactly. Mitchell, South Dakota. <laughs> yes, it I know is. exactly yes, where that is. is. I've been there. A lot of corn. That, that basement smells funny, man. I don't know if that's a corn smell or a taxidermy smell there's something wrong in that basement yeah, down there yeah. um it doesn't that's also a bear that's like smelly basement feet. was the name of our punk band that we had for a while it's the name of my reductive synth side project <laughs> um 
The uh, <laughs> reductive. The oh, uh, that's a story for another time all because right, we have right. a we have a guest we today uh, who's going to be joining us here shortly. Kind enough to well, you go back a long way with him. Oh, I only yeah. go back a few years, and uh, but both times that we've had the chance to hang out prior to today, this is the first time we've hung out that I have not been dressed like Santa Claus. It's true, and it's true. that you have not been coated in theatrical blood. Uh yes. Well, I and it, it uh, it's got a little. A little bit of a pinkish hue still because I uh, end up and you, you got a little uh, so I, I collateral apparently, damage apparently there. I, I brushed up against you at some point during that particular evening this past weekend because I came home I'm like the fuck is all over my hand <laughs> and I washed it and washed it and it wouldn't come off. I need to make a better version of that. Anyways, we're going to talk to local actor and writer Josh Carson coming up very shortly about the wildly successful annual production of A Very Die Hard Christmas. But before we do that, uh, Josh has picked out some great songs, by the way, all, thankfully, holiday-themed, so we'll talk more about that. I love this time of year. I love the music of this time of year. And, you know, at some point, Sean, it became fashionable to shit on bands like Coldplay, as we've discussed oh, with yeah. Katie Vernon and other people. There, Even you too. there are bands that people uh-huh. have become very comfortable being like, that's lame. You 2 might be the greatest live band I've ever seen in my entire uh, life. They're probably one or two for me, too. I, I mean, I, I've seen them now a half dozen, seven times, maybe. Yeah. The, the, the mistake was that free album. That's when it turned. That's when everybody was mad. like, everyone's Everyone. like, how dare... You give me this. So, Josh, when did people turn on Coldplay? Was it because of 40-Year-Old Virgin at the end where <laughs> Seth Rogen yes, is yes, riffing with yes, Paul Rudd? Yes. Like, you know how I know you're gay? I think, oh, yeah, like I Coldplay. do. Yeah, actually. I feel like that's where it turned. That was the turn. Was. Yeah, that was like, all right, Rogan's out, so we're all out. Yeah, so. no way in it again, but I am not. I am 100% in. But I also feel like at some point, because they're so safe, but they're so pretty and they're so good. The Carpenters, at some point, that became that became disposable to people, right? And I'm not telling you that they're edgy. I'm not saying they're Radiohead doing Kid A, right? I'm not saying they're the Sex Pistols with Nevermind the Bollocks. Karen Carpenter's voice alone, oh. if, if, if the songs had been shit and she still sang with that voice, I would still be utterly enamored. But she didn't. She and Richard were both exquisite, top-tier musicians. She was an incredible producer, a drummer. But unfortunately, back in that era, you think it's, I mean, it's still bad for women, but women were not allowed to produce back then. They were not allowed to do that sort of thing. She was an incredibly talented individual. Nothing against Richard either, but I guess I'm just trying to say that I adore the Carpenters without irony, without no wink, no nod. I love everything they've done, and their Christmas catalog is so deep and so thick. So as we were talking earlier about low straight jackets or the Ventures, you want to add a little love to your holiday playlist? Add a little Carpenters.
if you didn't say a prayer to a Christmas elf during that song, you're dead inside. Well, I was. It was out loud. I hope you heard it. No, I did. I had my headphones on. I was listening to Karen Carpenter, not your weird, creepy Christmas elf chanting. prayer. My chanting. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode two hundred and thirteen. It is powered by a good number of people. Audio Quip, all of our Patreon members, the good people at Smart Start, and then, and let's just knock this out of the park. Let's get this out of the way right now before we dive in deep with our guest, Josh Carson. Sean Bernard, you are a guy, mm-hmm. and in addition to being a guy, you are like a person, a living, human, breathing, you know, human being. You also uh, do realty for Edina Realty, 50th in France, so you're both a person and a realtor. This body that you see is just a vessel to sell real estate. <laughs> that's, really, that's really all it is. What's cool is you don't have to be fit. You know, you don't have to really train to be a realtor. Here's the thing. You and I go back a really long way, almost 30 years yeah. uh, in radio, now in podcasting. You're telling me about not having to be fit. No one ever has to look at me. I could literally look like somewhere between that one senator in that X-Men movie is slowly turning into a yeah. liquid slug and Jabba the Hutt, and it wouldn't matter. As long as these beautiful, pure, mellifluous tones still kept coming out, no one would care. You do realty, though, and this is a weird time of year, right? People are more worried about like stocking stuffers than they are about massive life changes, but that doesn't mean you can't think about it right now and get some work done in that direction. I've tried to say to people, don't buy your kids Christmas gifts this year. Just put more money in the bank for a down payment. And that seems to be no. I'm just kidding. No, it's it is it is the time of year. Sorry, I just don't do well with the. There are people like that are so greedy that are in in the world, not just in this business, but in the world. But for me, this is a time to plan for next year. And so I have a lot of friends that are planning right now, and I right. will meet with you. And if you want to grab a cup of coffee or some nog over uh, the holidays here, we can talk about what it takes. I'm actually going to do a first time homebuyers. Uh, session online to kind of teach people how to do it a lot of people it's surprising the first time they buy a house they don't really know what the hell they're doing or how it all works and so it's really going to be about uh, teaching them how to do that and again this year i'm going to be donating a portion of every buy and sell to a local artist or musician and i'm working on another uh charitable uh thing as well that i will reveal uh, in an upcoming date uh, via a friend of ours jared brewington so oh and i we're gonna have him on yeah. in the relatively near future yeah really cool jared, stuff we're one working of on my too. favorites one yep. of yep. one of the most visionary entrepreneurs mm-hmm. anywhere in minnesota finding Art. a way to give back 612-859-2594 that number is also textable you Josh said that Carson. people could meet you with uh for a cup of nog how would you feel like if I if I called you up one day and said you want to get together for a glass of room temperature buttermilk? You in? Or you out? If it's with you, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I would do whatever just, you want to do. Whatever just you want to throw do. Throwing honesty around the room. That's, right. all, that's all I'm doing. Did you notice how he held the phone? Us and you know, in imp- in improv, we hold it like this because that's how you hold the phone. But. But did you see Brian was doing the amateur? He had the thumb and the pinky out. He was yeah, doing the hang a, loose. And what do you do? Like this. Are you doing yeah, the it's like phone? actually holding a phone. Like. Yes. <laughs> Just like finger gun in improv, you actually you hold it like you would a real gun, not a taser. God, you guys. Sean, if we bring up improv, we are going to lose every single person. No, that's a very good point. Let's just press forward. This is going to be a part of what we talk about. Today's guest, Josh Carson, is an occasionally employed comedian and writer that lives here in the Twin Cities. But more importantly, and more more direct to the point, he is one of the co-creators of the annual Bryant Lake Bowl show, A Very Diehard Christmas. Now, we can get into the debate later as to whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I know where you stand. I don't know if anybody's brought that topic up anytime in the last Jesus Christ. Well, I, I, here's the thing. People get so frothy about it that I'm like, who cares? It's a fun movie. It happens to take place at Christmas time. We're at Nakatomi Plaza. Hans Gruber is fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. Who cares if it's Christmas. Why did that become a debate? Why did I, it ever de- become a debate? It. It. I mean, it, it's been kind of the 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 fun, quirky thing to say. You like Die Hard as a Christmas movie, and the internet came along and just kind of ruined it because, and now everybody's just fighting about it, and it's like, and but the fights. Me- it's like debating whether or not Gremlins is a Christmas movie, right? Like, I mean, there are a lot of Santa hats. There are some fun Christmas themes. Gift giving is really the central motivating. Yeah, Gizmo plot. was a gift. It was from his dad, right? And so I just, I mean, that's a Christmas movie. I don't honestly give a shit whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. But I do give a shit in the sense that you have interpreted it in such a way that twice now I have been lucky enough to portray a machine gun 
toting Santa Claus. And after two hours of exceptional comedy that evolves from year to year, because I know what you improv types are like. You're never, you're not ever going to settle on a script, right? No, I mean, no. why, why no. tell one joke when you can tell five? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what you types are like. And but, but then after two hours of teeing that up, it couldn't be an easier job than to be one of your celebrity Santas, and I'm using air quotes right there, to come out and throw in something at the end. And then if my final line, the final line of the show is, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, Everyone, I, everyone already at that point is so sp- just like juiced up. They, you, I, I can't lose. It's so thunderous applause. So that's how I pitch it to everybody. It's like you're gonna be the celebrity guest star. You're gonna have two lines, and you're gonna be the most popular part of the show. So I, I, who would ever say no to that? Even though not much of an actor. Although Sean, I want you to know, despite your long and storied history in improv and the theater, yes, that I did play Merlin in high school in that's a high right. school production of Camelot, 1984. Coon Rapids Senior High. Ooh, yeah, look that's it up on the resume. Josh, where are you from? Uh, actually, Blaine. So uh, we're Fuck we're, off, we're really? enemies. Yeah. Did you, did you, I mean, you grew up in Blaine. Uh, yeah, Blaine, class of '98. Really? Yep. Okay. Well, oh man. What does Marty Greninger call it? That makes you a lot. <sighs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite things of all time, and I hope that you appreciate it, Josh. A very, very dear friend of both of ours, who I went to high school and junior high with one of the funniest people I've ever known in my entire life refers to the Andover, Anoka, Coon Rapids, Blaine overall area as the North Suburban Cultural Corridor. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's brilliant. (laughs) Oh, and it's, I mean, I wish Marty were here now because it would be so very Marty. So you grew up in Blaine. You're significantly younger than me. That, uh, th- those are the rumors. I have no idea. I have no. I don't know how the science works, but yes. I got you. you. So <laughs> you grew up in Blaine. Can I ask whereabouts in Blaine? I mean, I'm not trying to track down your family home. I'm just curious. You want the exact address? Nope. I mean, we moved from there. But, no, uh, no, 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 no. No, just I mean, down the street, uh, a couple blocks from uh, Jefferson Elementary, and then okay, a little further down from yeah. uh, the high school. So, yeah. I just, I, you know, I mean, I don't spend much time up there anymore, but I spent <laughs> a lot of time up there back in the day. Oh, so yeah. I was just curious. Now, here's the cool thing about going to Blaine, right? Uh, one, two, three of my best friends on planet Earth to this day that I've known for almost 40 years all went to Blaine. Going to Coon Rapids, you could not let her in choir. You could not let her in theater. You could not let her in any of that garbage. At Blaine, though, I was always jealous because Blaine was at the One Axe every year. Oh, yeah. Blaine went to debate every year. You could let her in all those things. Blaine, despite the fact that it was basically the Oklahoma of the northern suburbs, <laughs> Blaine culturally was much more aware and significant. You could let her inquire. You could let her in debate. You could let her in theater. And I, I did let her in theater, actually. I'll bet you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, see, that's amazing to me because at the time, I mean, well, so it was later on, but even back in the 80s, back in my very John Hughes days, in Coon Rapids, that was unthinkable. If it wasn't, <laughs> if it, honestly, if it wasn't football or baseball or hockey, you were called a swim fag. Even if you weren't on the swim team. Yeah. Wow. Still a swim fag. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry, and I, I hate to use such frontal language, but that was my life, man. Gee, and and yeah. so I looked over at my friends who were going to Blaine, and I'm like, shit, they can let her in theater over there. That's cool. When did you get bitten by the bug that you had to be on a stage and start talking to people? Well, my mom will always tell the story that it was uh, kindergarten orientation. Uh, when- <laughs> That's early, man. <laughs> like, well, no, and I'll tell you why, because... Uh, they were going through everything. It was for the parents, basically, and the kids were just there to kind of see what school was and everything. And then the principal was up there giving his spiel, and then he said, uh, does anybody have any questions? My hand shoots up, and my mom's like, no, no. <laughs> and no! then and then he's like, oh, okay, uh, uh, what's your question, young man? I go, how do you catch a squirrel? And... Oh, no, not that joke. Hey, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. And then the principal's like, I, I, I don't know how. I go, oh, you climb up a tree and you act like a nut. Sprites didn't know that. And... <laughs> It got such a huge laugh that I was just like, oh, I like this. I like everybody. That was like, that was like your first hit of heroin. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it literally changed your brain chemistry. And I'm just like, I'm going to chase this for the rest of my life. So. That, and, and so you have been. So you grew up and obviously, I, I mean, does it take until middle school or high school? When do you start doing theater, improv, uh, just getting up in front of people? I mean, did you do choir? Did you karate? Quipera? Well, co- as anybody that's seen uh, Die Hard Christmas knows, I am not gifted musically. So that I did not ever, did not ever uh, get into choir but um, no uh, yeah middle school I did the plays and uh, all that stuff and yeah just once I met the uh, theater kids and everything that was just 
that was that was your crew for a while. Yep. <laughs> and so, Before we hear the first song, because I don't like to go too long without hearing some music. All right. What was the first corny production you were in because i was before i got to high school in middle school i was in choir but the first thing i ever really did that was ever in front of the entire student body that really cemented the fact that i would always be girlfriendless and alone uh <laughs> was um uh, nothing like a dame from south pacific me and a bunch of guys in t-shirts rolled up over our shoulders nice. and our jeans rolled up to our knees like we were in the pacific and oh. um i mean like do you remember that first moment of both absolutely like this is the rest of my life and also i'll never see a titty (laughs) (laughs) well uh god no the middle school plays were awful because they were just these dorky like shows written for middle school like not classic stuff oh yeah yeah like it was uh, uh a show called like the Phantom of the Soap Opera or something, I, and it was... Uh, in middle school, actually, you know, remember, so I'm old enough that back when, in the summer, you could go to summer school as an elective, like it wasn't punishment, you weren't making oh, up yeah. lost time, I was in something, my mom enrolled me because she was convinced I was born to get in front of people. Josh was, I was not, but my mom pushed me. <laughs> I went to something called Stage Doors and Stardust. Oh, oh boy. And my very first year, I got the title role of Whitling in Whitling and the Stone Princess. So very much these kind yeah, of productions it's, it's, that you're talking about, made for kids, awful, but all the parents are there and they swoon. But you still loved it, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And we thought we were awesome. And it's just like, oh, boy. And it's like that. Uh, but maybe you were awesome. Uh, no, I, I think it's entirely like that Saturday Night Live sketch where it's uh, the high school kids very excited about their production of Legally Blonde. Yeah. And like, you guys, we might be going to Broadway. This is ridiculous. <laughs> we are so talented. And then it cuts to the show. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You guys. And it's just terrible. <laughs> and just the parents are just shaking their heads. Yeah. And I'm like. Yeah, so uh, my family, they, they put up with a lot of that shit. That's the way the game works, right? <laughs> you and Sean go back quite a ways, and we'll talk about that next. But first, I want to hear a song. So tell me what this is, Guys Night, right here. What's going on here? Well, uh, it's a, a band called Guys Night, and the most I can tell you about them is they're named Guys Night, and they spell guys with a Z. And Which is dangerous. Yeah. Anytime a Z is in there, <laughs> yeah. either you're a horrorcore rap band or a terrible 80s metal band. Yeah, but it is, uh, and I am not familiar with any of their uh, repertoire except for this song. It's called Die Hard, and I heard about it, I don't know, I think, actually it was around the time Die Hard 4 came out because they were they were getting sued by 20th Century Fox because they were, you know, intellectual property and all that stuff. Right. And then they were like, but the song is actually pretty catchy. Could you write a new verse for Die Hard 4? And, <laughs> and, and then, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's when I first heard about it, and then uh, so when we did the Die Hard show, I was like, we got a, we got a built-in theme song here. So. Remember when we first met John McClane? Argyle picked him up from the plane and took him down to Nakatomi Tower to meet with Holly. He came to get her back and to be her man, but Hans and his buddies fucked up the plan, and that's about when everything went sour at the Christmas party and the terrorists were overzealous but it was sweet when they killed Alice and with a little help from Alan John McClane kicked ass we're gonna die
That was absolutely fucking rad. I've never heard that song before in my entire life. And here, here's the deal. I feel, I feel both wonderful and bad for Guys Night because by far, I'm certain they got more traction off that song than anything else they've ever done. Yep. But they're clearly talented, and then they get reduced to being a novelty act, right? Yeah. When clearly they could do more. There are so many other bands in that vein, like Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, or oh, yeah. all these great bands that like you're like, holy shit, that was great, but it was funny. It was canon. It yeah. was accurate, yeah, right? It was a it was a nice little summary of the original trilogy. Unbelievable. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, Josh Carson is our guest, and d- as a co-creator of A Very Die Hard Christmas, right? So it changes every year. You come from an improv and acting background, and why, as you just said, what did you say about the one joke versus five jokes? Uh, yeah, why say one joke when you can say five? <laughs> well, but here's the deal, and I know not all of them work, but over the course of a season, you get to dial it in, right? Because every once in a while, a joke is going to, like anybody, no matter who you are, in any walk of life, is going to fall flat, and you'll be like, never say that again. Every once in a while, though, you stumble onto something that is liquid gold, right? And oh, yeah. people lose their fucking minds. You're like, tuck that one away. Do not forget. Scribe? You know, like, <laughs> write it down. So how did it come to pass that... A very diehard Christmas came to be born. What sort of was it a difficult birthing process? Was it forged <laughs> over months in a crucible? How, well, how did I mean, it come it was, to be? It was four guys in a bar drinking, so that's uh, a <laughs> like, can be a tough place yeah, to be yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, no, uh, so yeah, the whole is diehard a Christmas movie debate has been raging for years. I actually did a sketch at the uh, Brave New Workshop when I worked for them in about two thousand four, I think, uh, about a couple they were first dating, and he brought. Die Hard Home as a Christmas movie, and they got into an argument about whether or not it was a Christmas movie, and in 2004, that was kind of a novelty, and right. that was, uh, so I'd always kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I'm quirky. Aren't I interesting? <laughs> and, That's not a personality, Josh. All right? It's an opinion. But, yeah, and so then uh, me, uh, my buddy and comedy partner, Andy Kraft, uh, our friend Brad Erickson, and his uh, uh, the- theatrical partner, Mike Makett, we're talking about it, and we wanted to do something Die Hard related uh, for a Christmas show at the Bryant Lake Bowl. We've been doing, um, like, say by the Bell, we did for a while, and uh, we would do kind of like nostalgia acts or whatever, and getting comedy out of that. So we were sitting around talking. Well, we should do Die Hard, whatever we want to do. The original idea was going to be like it's a Die Hard Christmas special with. Uh, John McClane kind of hosting it, like the old Dean Martin things, and he's just like, and crawling through the building here, but you listen to this band, and then I'll get back to you. <laughs> Which is not a bad idea. That sounds no, funny. No, yeah, I think that was Brad's original pitch, and uh, then we were like, well, if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, let's just do Die Hard as a Christmas special. We'll do this straight-up story of Die Hard, but throw every kind of Christmas cliche we can in there. We'll get characters from Rudolph. We'll do Home Alone stuff. We'll Elf. We'll link, like, Grinch. We throw in all these elements and then make it the most Christmassy Christmas special there ever was. Well, and so for people who don't know, A Very diehard Christmas happens at Bryant Lake Bowl Theater every year, and it has for a decade now, obviously with the exception of last year, because last year was completely fucked, and nobody got to do anything fun, um, <laughs> unless you really like sitting at home by yourself, in which yep. case you had the best year ever. But now you're back, and it really does incorporate elements, so many pop cultural touchstones. Um, I have to admit, uh, because I've always been a fan of animation and puppetry, mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't remember his name, 
but the guy who does the Burl Ives snowman. That's Andy. That's Andy Kraft. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. It's so <laughs> good. The other puppet, you know, uh, Hermie, I think yeah, it is. Hermie, yeah. Well, that, that's fine. <laughs> but that, that Burl Ives snowman, he could do a whole show on that. And I, I would, I would. I, anyway, so it's sold out this year, right? It's over. How do people, if they want to pay attention moving into future years, because I shared some of the stuff that you shared on social media and uh-huh. like, how did I not fucking know this existed? Or how did I miss this? I've never gotten tickets. If people want to pay attention and stay out in front of it, where do they go to find out about a very diehard Christmas? Well, Bright Lake Bowl released the uh, tickets on Halloween at okay. uh, noon. It was like noon on a Sunday. And then we sold like 500 tickets that day. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Who's home on a Sunday? <laughs> like, and uh, People waiting yeah, to see a very exactly. diehard Christmas. Right? And, and, and it, it hasn't always been this way because it has built up over the years. Like yeah. the first year, Andy and I had to have our, our girlfriends, who are now our wives, come to every show because we're like, we need... We need butts in the audience. Like, right. We need people to see it. You got to have a critical mass, right? You yeah. don't, don't want to be playing to five people in the room. And one year we opened uh, and we have five people in the audience. Well, that, <laughs> I mean, these things do was, happen. Right? Yeah. And so it ha- so it's kind of become a word of mouth hit over the years. And everyone's, everyone kind of gives me crap about it. It's like, oh, it must suck to be so popular. It's like, it wasn't always this way. We I put in 10 years of work uh-huh. to get to this point. <laughs> well, again, people who complain about like, oh, man, you're so lucky. It's like the luckiest people I know are also the hardest working people I know. They show up every goddamn day and they keep working at it. And again, if you didn't grind on it year after year after year, bringing your skills to bear and learning, I mean... There are new jokes literally every single year. That has to feel good. Now, again, you by the end of it, you are so coated in theatrical blood yeah. as to be virtually <laughs> unrecognizable, right? But, I mean, given its construct, given that there's this skeleton there, it's almost like jazz. I'm not trying to, you know, overpraise it, but I'm saying, like, you've got this skeleton. You know what you're going to do, but there is enough leeway. There's enough freedom. There's enough openness there that every once in a while you can fuck around and find out, right? I mean, you yeah. can, like, let's try this. Oh, that shit, the bed. We are never doing <laughs> that again. That was terrible. Yeah, there's or been a couple of those. Yeah. you can do it where you called your shot and you're like, oh, and, like, people lose their effing mind. But then you succumb to the danger of drinking your own Kool-Aid. And you're like, oh, if I'm that funny, there's nothing I can't get <laughs> well, away I'll with. I'll tell you what, it ends at the stage, because then I go out and see people afterwards, and then like, well, you're not as funny now. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, but Leslie will love that you called it jazz. She's going to be like, oh, my God, it is jazz. Well, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, it yeah. is oh, in yeah. the sense that there is, and who's been a guest on this show before, yeah. she's wonderful. Um, the, 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 and what I mean by that is I don't pretend to understand jazz or how jazz works or know anything about jazz, but I do know that jazz has a skeleton, right? Mm-hmm. And it gives you all these opportunities to move off in different directions off your base structure and so maybe here we're going to play it safe we're going to play it close to home we're going to we're just going to ride the rhythm and over here we are going to get fucking free here we go let's just see what happens and i can tell in the show what i like is watching you i mean because you play john mcclain you are the main lead actor of this show when somebody cracks you up, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I mean, again, like Sean and I talk about this all the time. Whether we're talking about a musician or whoever, when you believe it, when you realize that we're all on the same journey and everything just opened up and we're all having the same experience, there's nothing like that, man. There's yeah, yeah. nothing else like that. Sean, how do you know Josh? I very first saw you, I think, in Sober Cab, maybe. Yeah, oh boy, when that's was, that what year is, was that? That was 2002. Two, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was early, early, early days. 20 um, years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was the sec- Oh, God, it was. Jesus. Yeah, yeah that it was sure a, was. That was the second show I ever wrote. So, yeah, so that was at the Brave New Workshop, yep. and we had like a cast of 20. And like, Yep, I went to see that show, and that's when I realized how talented you were, and then I started watching them all the time, and he kind of went off into the stratosphere of improv, which is really cool to see. And I kind of did my thing for stress relief and for fun, which, cause I had little kids, uh, around that time. Uh, and so I was kind of doing my thing and having fun. It was in velvet Elvises for a while. I remember that. Oh, uh, yeah, which I was those guys. just a blast. I mean, so we performed at Bryant Lake theater every mm-hmm. Thursday night for a long time. And then we moved over to the Acadia eventually. But, uh, um, just th- there is a family of improvisers in town. And Josh certainly has been a big part of that family. And it, it is so much like jazz. I think jazz is probably the greatest analogy that I would, you know, I would say that parallel, I think, would make the most sense. Well, and it's funny that you say that because, like, the structure of the show, we goof around a little yeah. bit, but we've got the script that we can come back to every time. 
And it was the hardest lesson for me to learn as a improviser is uh, you got to know the rules before you can break them. Mm-hmm. Like you absolutely because I mean you come in there and you your comedy idols are guys that don't break the rules and do this and that they're funny because they're not mm-hmm. doing what's traditionally out there. Well, you can't start there. You got to learn no. what's going on oh, there. No. So yeah, <laughs> you need to know your I, instrument really, really well. And yeah. that's the thing about same thing about jazz. And you need to take care of yourself first, and then you gift other people, which is. Which is pretty crazy, and it's fun as hell to do. Yeah, it's it, improv. Either works really well, or it really doesn't. Uh, you know, jazz. Sometimes I think they can they can fail and come back into it. Improv, you can do that too. But there are times where you can just see people aren't trusting each other on stage sometimes. Uh, but when it works, it's the best magic I've ever seen. I think that's, I mean, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I think that's performance in general, Mm -hmm. right? Whether we're talking about dance, whether we're talking about theater, whether we are talking about music or really anything else that goes on up there, if you're dealing with a troupe, if you're, I mean, obviously you've been working with these same group of people for a long time doing this thing. You've worked with a lot of other groups of people, right? But I I think you nailed it, right? Like, I I have to imagine, as hard though it may be to imagine, even a legend like a Coltrane, right? Or a Parker Mm -hmm. or a Davis. There had to be nights where the combo just wasn't in the pocket. But then there had to be nights that rewrote people's brain chemistry, that, that rewrote what they thought they could expect when they go out to see something. And I have to imagine, even in improv, not to, again, I'm not trying to paint too big a picture. I'm not trying to make it more than it is. But on those, and I'll imagine, I imagine even right now, as you are in the series of doing this, this particular series of a very diehard Christmas shows, there are nights that are like, eh, that's pretty good. And then there are nights where you're like, we were fucking legendary tonight, right? I mean, it it, it varies, right? Every night is not always going to be a home run. You want to do a good job. And even when you do a good job, there's a difference between that and really fucking killing them out there. Oh, yeah. There's some some hot crowds that are out there. And then there are some nights where we're out there doing the same jokes and, you know, pouring a bucket of blood on my head. And then it's like, all right, this is a matinee crowd. There's nothing wrong with that. They're, They're enjoying the, like... So my favorite thing is uh, the, the the smile and nod people that are like, this is a really good show. It's like, really? Tell your face because it doesn't look like it. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife every once in a while go, that was really funny. I'm like, why? Would I probably would have preferred a would have preferred a laugh. What about but, a laugh? What about exactly. what, what, what a laugh? All that. But also, I mean, and so uh, let me ask you this then before we get to our next song, because again, right. we've gone too long without another song. But this is interesting to me because I've met a ton of bands from out of town over the course of my career. The Minnesota audiences are not like regular audiences in the sense that we can very much be an approval and again I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to paint us in such broad strokes or say minnesota is different than the rest of the upper midwest but it is different here and i've had bands express extreme frustration you can go out there and kill it and minnesota audiences are Frankly, by and large, not universally. Again, I'm not trying to, you know, paint with these giant broad strokes, but we can be a little more reserved than the average audience, which as a performer, I mean, is that frustrating or do you run into it a lot? It can be. With this show, the the way it's built and advertised and the audience we've attracted, it's like, yeah. this is a party. You guys are coming to a party. Right, and right, right. It, these are the people that you'd want to have at your Christmas party. And then it's just going to be more fun. So the diehard audiences are, they're not. Like that kind of laid back, but no, I have done several sketch shows and stuff, stuff like that, where it's just kind of like, it's like, okay, so it's like, thank you, and then afterwards, like that was the greatest thing I ever saw. I was like, oh, I okay, tell I, me your background. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know anyone liked it at all. Exactly. I just I wonder because you know, as Sean and I have talked about, especially with all over the last year and a half, you know, where people stayed at home, they didn't get to go out, and now we're going out again. We're doing these things again. That lack of that sort of biofeedback loop as a performer, I, it seems to me like you'd be starving, you'd be gasping for oxygen, right? I did a I did a show earlier this summer called The Vax and the Furious. Uh, it was a sketch show at the Brian Lake Bowl, <laughs> and the first sketch I played Vin Diesel, and I uh, wore this horrible bald wig, and I, I put like uh, the those Amazon Air Puffs in my shirt, so I was like, oh, like that. Yep. And the curtain opens the first night. That got a laugh and applause. So I was like, all right, here we go. Here we go. The next night, it was a little bit of an older crowd. Curtain opens. Nothing. And I'm like, oh, 
Oh, you're not going to enjoy the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what I got. I, I started out big, and here we go. We're we'll doing Vin Diesel impressions to like nobody right now. <laughs> Let's get another song in real quick before we talk more to Josh Carson. Oh, it's fascinating. So this one right here, this band I know very well uh, because, uh, again, when we talk about the North Suburban Cultural mm-hmm. Corridor, growing up in Coon Rapids, my best friend of my entire life, I've known him since I was 10 years old, Tony is still my best friend we brought each other i brought him punk rock he brought me hip-hop and r&b right like so and both of us grew up square-ass cul-de-sac white kids in the northern suburbs right but in 1983 you didn't know what hip-hop was unless you were a cool kid right he came home with three 12-inch singles by run dmc this was not one of them but i do take it as sort of a point of pride, a badge of honor, that I knew about Run DMC before 99% of my peers and people in my age group. And again, I had no context for it. And thank <laughs> God there was some electric guitar in it. Otherwise, I'd have been like, what the hell is this? What are we listening to here? Um, but I love this band very much, and I'm glad that you picked them. Why'd you pick this one? Oh, come on. You can't do, uh, you can't be talking about Die Hard and not have Christmas and Hollis playing. <laughs> Little Christmas in Hollis Run DMC. That would be Rev Run and DMC right here on the Brian Oak Show. Episode 213, which is sponsored in part by our friends at Forgotten Star Brewing, a fine brewery located in Fridley, just outside the confines of Minneapolis. But if you get even close to it, you will not be able to not see the two iconic towers piercing the skies of the close northern suburbs. Yeah, it's like you, you you go over there and, you know, the train tracks are over there and all these corporate-looking buildings, and you've got the really cool Forgotten Star uh, Brewery right there, which is amazing. You can see the downtown skyline from there, so it's right on the border of Fridley and Minneapolis. 
They have food trucks out there all the time. They've got curling. I'm have looking you, right now at their winter curling have, league. Have yeah, curl. They're still hiring ice rink attendants. So if you are like, not only do I know about fucking curling, I will fucking. I don't think they actually have a zamboni for you, but they will let you smooth. They should that have micro zambonis. What are you talking? You don't know what you're talking about right now. I want a micro. Zamboni. You made it up. Like what? Like a like a tricycle zamboni? It's kind of like a lawnmower. Like just a bunch of little kids out there, just kind of exactly like crisscrossing exactly right. and just like let, the, let the kids do it then. Okay, <laughs> let the kids back, do it. Brian, can you skate backwards? I two fun facts for you. Lived here my entire life. Never once been on a pair of downhill skis. Never once. Get ready for this one, because this one's going to hurt some feelings. Never once been on a pair of ice skates. Wow. I'm 53 years old. I've it's lived here my late. entire life. Never too early. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You want to come out and have a cigarette with me? Because guess what? It's never too late to start looking cool, Sean. No. Okay. Forgotten Just, Star it's Brewing. It's about time for there me. We go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> time to start no, catching Sean up. No, Sean did improv. He's not interested in cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well put, like, Josh. No, Thank you no. very much. No, I... I uh, anyway, let, let's wrap this up first. ForgottenStarBrewing.com. You can get a rundown of all their events, their food truck schedule, when the curling is happening. I, I, again, a lot of people, I think a lot of people are like, you know what? I feel like I could make the Olympic curling team. Why don't you try a season at Forgotten Star first before you get a little too far ahead of yourself? I'm not even sure you can broom the kitchen, let alone broom the stone in a curling tournament. Micro Zamboni. Oh, my God, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> ForgottenStarBrewing.com. Josh, Josh Carson is our guest. Hello. Uh, hi, how are you? Good. Good, man. What? Uh, so where are you from? I, I, I'm, no, <laughs> no, 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 we're not starting over. I, again, I don't like to dig into people's personal lives. In fact, it's one of, to me, having done so many interviews in the course of my mm-hmm. career, right, People's personal lives is one of the least interesting things. Like, right? Like, I want to know what people have done. I want to know where they are. I want to know how they feel about things. But, like, so who are you banging these days? Like, that that, that holds no appeal <laughs> for me. You to ask that on the show. Well, Sean, so- Sean, who are you banging these days? <laughs> Whoa! Oh, whoa, yeah. oh whoa. raise his hand. All right, but to that to <laughs> no, that point, I, no, no, uh, I'm not asking Josh, you. Who you're oh, no, 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 no. Mind. <laughs> uh, um, I proposed to my wife at a show of Die Hard one year. Uh, Stop it! Yes, no, I was covered in blood, and of course the, you were. Santa came in. See, and, but what you did, you did the same thing I did. You put her in a position where she was not legally allowed to say no. <laughs> you trapped her. I asked that, my well, wife on the air because I am the same sort of performing <laughs> clown that you are. She called in and said, yeah, what was she going to do? Call in and say, you know, I'm not really ready, honey. Sorry. And you did the same thing. So Coated in blood. Coated in blood. And yeah, I asked her to marry me. And the first thing she said to me was, you're disgusting. And I said, ah, well, ah! And I was like, well, you're going to have to get used to that. that but you found the right one, didn't you? At the show on uh, the one you were at. uh uh, Saturday, somebody stood up and asked, like, can I ask a question? And we were like, oh, okay. She's like, I was in the audience the night you proposed to your girlfriend. And I was like, okay. And she was like, How, how'd that work out? <laughs> I was like, well, married. we've been married for six years, but, uh, what if that, what if the, what if the answer has been something different? Right. Like, <laughs> well, see, that's why guys out there, fellas who you're pretty sure it's going to be a yes, but if you're not a hundred percent certain, make it public, make it awkward. Be covered in fake blood or do it on the radio. (laughs) They can't say no, can they? They cannot say no. So a very diehard Christmas has evolved over the years. Do you see it ending ever? I mean, are you? Do you still love it? Or let me let me phrase that differently. And again, this is a hard question too, right? Because when something is that near and dear to your heart, when you created something, you've watched it evolve, you watched it grow. Last year we had none, so of course it sold out this year because people are like, God, I want to get out and do something fun and see something interesting. Does it mean as much to you now? Do you see it maintaining enough creative bait for you that you'll want to keep doing this for a long time? Well, we are quite fortunate to have, uh, in addition to myself, uh, Brad and Andy, the other two co-creators, and then Mike Makett, his partner, and then uh, we have a great cast, uh, Matt as Hans, Duck as Argyle. Uh, we've got Anna White Wiggle as uh, as Holly. You oh, know yeah. who you, you know Anna very I well. Worked, <laughs> yes. I worked literally five feet from Anna for about three years. Yeah. I love her very much. And then uh, yeah, Leslie Vincent. And these are just we have a group text that we are talking to each other all throughout the year, and we're just still up there trying to make each other laugh. Right. And it is like um, Barb is our technician at the Bryant Lake Bowl, and she had not been back since everything had been kind of shut down, and so we were like, oh. 
the, the show's coming back. Can we bring Barb back? We're like, well, we don't know. It's like, no, she's she's coming back. She's our eighth uh, cast member. So right, and yeah, and it's just to see it had gone from our goofy little uh, uh, Christmas show. Now I've been I've been seeing kids come for years now. I've seen like them grow up, and they're now they're bringing their girlfriends and boyfriends, and I've seen families, and we're Christmas parties now. It kind of means a little bit more because it's this is what the holidays are like for us. We get to kind of celebrate in this way, and things are going to change because Andy uh, lives in Los Angeles mm-hmm. now, and uh, this is going to be his last year. Really? So we're going to have to do a little bit of recasting and retooling next wow, year. Right. But that is the plan. We're not going to call it quits yet until my knees uh, give out. Which you've seen the show. Like I got like three more years of doing this. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I mean, but like you, like you, like do real moves, man. Like there are there are tuck and rolls. There are actual hard dips. Let me ask you though, because you bring up something real and. Again, I don't like to dive too deep into real. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. But when you talk about transition, right? I mean, no art is static. Nothing, frankly, in life is static. There will always be change. And so you're talking about recasting and retooling. You're also talking about a show that has gained a level of popularity that is not overly common for a production of this size. Has there ever been, and again, I know that you are loyal, I know that you love them, I know it's where it's always been, but is there any thought that one day this might be somewhere other than the Bryant Lake Bowl? I mean, did, are, has there ever been thought of like maybe doing a one-off at a larger location? You know, uh, we've had offers over the years, and we've had people come and say, do you, do you want to sell, sell more than uh, 85 tickets? And First of all, I'm loyal to the Bryant Lake Bowl. I love the Bryant Lake Bowl. I get it. And and loyalty means everything to me. And I love those people very much. I love the staff. I love everybody there. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. I get loyalty. But also, you know, there are the practical realities of where, you know, creation and art intersects with commerce. I mean, more people would come see the show. No, I understand that. But um, so I've had offers and I've always kind of entertained them a little bit but never never quite was like ah, it's not gonna happen we we're this is this is home this is family right and i didn't quite know why i was leaning that way until i watched the documentary about alan menken on uh disney plus and he said about the original production of little shop they did it in a small theater mm. and they said why don't you do it in a big theater and he said when you walk into a big theater you have big expectations you like you want the expectations to be huge because the theater's huge. You walk into a small theater, you're like, okay, let's see what they got. And then if that small theater show is great, then you're blown away. And it just, and that's kind of what happened with Die Hard. It's like, we're doing rolly chairs, we got cardboard, we're like doing confetti cannons for the explosions and everything. So on a large stage like that, that would look pretty rinky dink. And <laughs> like, we're not going to get away with me, like, you know, Floating on a rolly chair, pretending I'm crawling through a pipe or whatever. Right, but like, right. For some reason, on that tiny, tiny stage, doing an action movie, doing these fight scenes, people are like, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> well, like- I, 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 but I think you bring up a couple of excellent points. One, loyalty. Two, knowing your venue and your audience and the quality of your production and what you do. And I have to admit, having been intimately involved in the show twice, there's something about, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? That... Um, not maximum density. What's it called? The um, the critical mass is what I'm looking yep. for right there. You've got it full, and it's close, and it's intimate, and all of a sudden someone comes racing by you. Or the gunshot things with the confetti cannons before, yep. I know that Anna told me you've done it every single year you've ever done the show. <laughs> I swear to God I never saw one before. This last time, everybody, every time someone got popped in the head and the confetti cannon came out the other yep. side... I was like a kid on Christmas morning. I'm like, that was amazing. She's like, we've literally done that every year. Yeah, and I'm and, like, I've never seen that before. And we, uh, yeah, and we know that place to treat it like a, a a jungle gym. We're just playing. We don't, yeah, you know, all the ins and outs and like the the like our our chandelier moment uh, from Phantom of the Opera or whatever uh-huh. is when uh, we throw Hans off the building and <laughs> we just open up the back door and all Matt does is back out onto Lake Street and everybody goes nuts. Because it looks like he's falling in slow motion yeah. down the <laughs> yeah. building. It's brilliant. And yeah, no matter what you do at the Bryant Lake Bowl, you'll never get a bigger moment or a bigger pop than if you open up the curtain and then just open up that back door and say like, by the way, there's nothing back here. There's right. no like 
backstage is outside. Yeah, so. it, no, it's brilliant. Hey, by the way, will you tell me, before we start to wrap things up here, tell me the name of your Hans Gruber again. Uh, Matt Seipel is his name. Spectacularly good. Yeah, I mean, everyone in your cast is fantastic, but I had kind of forgotten just how good Matt is, and it it takes a certain art... You know, people always sort of poo-poo. Not you know, when you, especially when you get to like Hollywood level stuff, people sort of poo-poo comedic acting. And I would argue that it's harder to be funny than oh. it is to be serious or sincere or overly dramatic, uh, convincingly. Yeah. Comedy is, and again, I'm not an expert by any means, but it, when I've watched it work, it's timing, it is sincerity. It is, it's a commitment to the fucking bit. If you go halfway on a joke, it will fucking fall flat every single time. That has actually been our, I'm reading the Mel Brooks autobiography right now, and he's telling a story about Blazing Saddles, and he was saying, like, if you're going to ring the bell, ring it. If you're going to, if you're going to do that, like, if you're going to have, uh, like, we have the mini popper confetti cannons go off, so when the big explosion happens, <laughs> we fire up two huge confetti cannons, right. and the theater is trashed, and, and then I'm doing the bit with the blood, I, I come out you know, more and more bloody as the show goes on. Right. Then by the end of it, I'm in the parking lot in the back of the theater, pouring a bucket of blood <laughs> and just kind of lathering up and people just kind of walk by and go like, is everything okay over here? I'm like, just another Thursday in Uptown, buddy. <laughs> fine. We're fine but, over yeah, here. And How are just, you doing? And, it, and then we, then we have to clean up the theater and then I have to like shower all this blood off of me. And it's like, is it worth it for that, that joke? I said, yeah, because if you, if you kind of half-assed it a little bit, it wouldn't get it. People no would not like it as much. So. No, you. I mean, you, you go in or don't go at all. And, and <laughs> I mean, and I think that speaks very much to a very die-hard Christmas, a great production that happens every year at the Brian Lake Bowl. A decade now will continue into the future, but fucking pay attention because the tickets are going to go on sale, and you're going to miss <laughs> out again next year if you don't get in. And um, it's just it's it's highly highly enjoyable, and I do have to admit the sort of commitment to theater that you and your troupe have. When I came out afterwards, I took off the Santa suit, and I'm like, all right, well, I got to go home. And you're all just getting out the brooms to sweep up all that confetti and bullshit you threw all over the yeah, floor. Yeah, the, the entire court. theater. No, I mean, you, it's, you do the whole thing. It's very admirable and very enjoyable, and um, I really, really appreciate getting the second invite, Josh. That oh, was very no nice. no problem. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we started the production. We didn't tell them we were going to fire off confetti cannons and I was going to be covered in blood and all that. And so it was one of those, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness later moments. Yep. And then uh, the server that Barb, the, our technician was like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. They, I didn't realize they were going to trash the theater like this. And then the server was like, it was fucking hilarious. You can do that every night. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, again, real entertainment is real entertainment, whether you're going to see a band or dancers or theater. And I think you guys do a fantastic job before oh, we so say much. goodbye. Is there anything that we should be looking forward to Josh Carson related in 2022? Uh, just, you know what? If you see me at the Bryant Lake bowl, I do enjoy PBR. So you can buy it for me. I'll be okay with that. Fantastic and, uh, yeah. news. Yeah, uh, Leslie and I are doing a show in uh, New Prague. Uh, New Prague? New Prague? How do you say it? I, I think Prague. Prague, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she's got a a uke and I don't, so we we call ourselves with or without uke. And basically, nice. she does songs. See, that's funny. <laughs> I like funny. That's good. Now, again, if I had to hear that joke six times in a row, I might get a little tired of it. But that right there, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, so yeah, she's with, I'm without, and then she does songs, and I just kind of, because... Whenever I go see Leslie in a live act, I kind of heckle her, and she's like, let's just do that as a thing, and that's <laughs> catching on. So that's January 7th. Sold uh, out, though, right? I think. I think it's selling really well. All right. So, so like, uh, what, where is it at down there? Do uh, d- the Delico Arts, okay. uh, their theater um, in New Prague. So, yeah, it's January, the weekend of January 7th. I'm an so. empty nester now, so I can just go to no, yeah. if I want If to. people want to pick your brain, stay on top of what you do, follow you around, is there ground zero for josh carson uh do you have a website anything no, no website but i am on You're twitter on social media yeah, at, at josh d carson so yeah hit me up on twitter and right. uh yeah just anytime you see me because i'm around i'm around minneapolis so. and pbr pbr right? pbr okay. yeah exactly, good, good exactly. you just leave one out like tall boy or uh, tall boy whatever okay. just leave one out well, or there's eventually more, there's more of it in there <laughs> when true. you get the tall boy <laughs>
True. Although it is still light beer. Yeah, yeah it's true. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Josh. All right. Well, um, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And thank, thank you, you very much thank for coming so much. in. I really appreciate it. I appreciate having been invited. Again, uh, two lines, but that's about where I'm at at this point in my life. <laughs> two lines at the end of the show. If you have a friend that invites you to see a very diehard Christmas, because those tickets are sold the hell out this year, you should go. And if you don't, make plans for next year. Keep an eye on the Bryant Lake Bulls website and their social media, because that shit will go on sale probably late October. October could be anywhere in there. Yep. Pay attention. Get on board. I'm telling you, for people who are like, ah, I don't really go to theater and comedy's not really my jam, you are screwing it up. You're doing Christmas wrong, man. You're yeah. dumb. Santa is mad at you right now. We had a buddy, uh, or a, a guy at the show the other night that came up to me, and he, he is not somebody that you would typically see at a theater, and he was like, <laughs> dude, I thought we were going to the movie tonight. I, had, I was like, oh, shit, a play? was the best play I've ever seen in my life. And that, that happens like once or twice every year. Well, see, so. I mean, like you guys who are steep in theater and improv, right? You've been to a ton of it. Yeah. There are a lot of people who literally never, ever, ever go to theater. Or like, you know, someone dragged me to some fringe festival nightmare once a long time ago. <laughs> oh, I've done plenty of those as well. Uh, yeah, no, I've, 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 been, I've been in a couple of things. And I'm like... Oh, we're really only 14 minutes into this, And we huh? have a lot of friends who write Fringe oh. shows, so we think they're mostly good. No, they are mostly good. <laughs> I've been to brilliant Fringe shows, yeah. but what I'm saying, I guess my point I'm making is there are a lot of people who, A, either never, like that guy, go to theater, or have been tricked into going something <laughs> terrible, right? But if you go out and see real theater with talented performers that are funny, that are smart, doesn't even have to be a comedy, emotional, good. I mean, theater is a worthwhile endeavor, and it's part of the fact fabric of this community that Sean and I have worked so hard to celebrate and elucidate on and try to make sure that we maintain as much of that through the course of COVID and everything else because Sean and I fucking love it here, man. I love Minneapolis. And I love I love theater too, so it's just a blast that we have so many great venues and that we're selling out shows like this. I mean, it's so great to have that. A- Frickin' men. Gotta thank uh, the good people at Audio Equip who have provided us with all of the sound equipment in this room, most of which, to me, looks like it came off an alien spaceship, because if Sean suddenly disappeared, I wouldn't know what to do, Josh. You and I would be left <laughs> yeah. alone here. We would die here, okay? So, um, will you call me Captain Kirk just once while hmm? I'm standing over here? Will you call me Captain Kirk? Whatever you like, Spock. Um, that just, he didn't yes and that, that just, Josh. No, he didn't. He didn't. Anyway, good, good on you, Obi-Wan. <laughs> 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 oh, really more of a Qui-Gon Jinn uh, over here. Oh, so I'm sure you are. Real are. deep yeah, on that. Uh, anyway, let's calm down, Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Audio Equip. Thank you to Smart Start MN. Thank you to Forgotten Star. Thank you to all of our Patreon members because you really did get us off the ground when this was all starting to happen. And it's still happening. I'm sorry that we keep doing this to you, but it's just, it's like that thing. It just never, ever stops, ever, no matter what you say. Oh, another episode? Yeah, another episode. This one's number 213. Josh, thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for Good having me, guys. You, Before we say goodbye, you picked one more song. And again, I don't even know. I'm, I'm not asking you why. Like when I ask people why they pick a song, I'm not asking them to justify it. I just want to know what you love about it. Well, this is uh, the song that plays when we do our fight scene in uh, Very Die Hard Christmas. Me and Brad as uh, John McClane and Carl. And uh, I just always like at any movie or TV show when they have like a Ramones moment or the Ramones montage. I'm like, I'm I'm very happy. Like so, uh, I love this song, and it was the perfect song to do a fight scene to. Which that fight scene we've been doing for a couple of years, and this year. The reaction is just people are very, very involved. And it was like, it's not because Brad and I are getting better. We're getting older. And now they're like, what are those two old men doing to each other? Is someone going to get hurt? Oh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon can't take those hits. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight
Isn't it what? Isn't it what?